Thank you, Kitty. And thank you, Bill and Scooter and uh, Carrie, everyone who has, um, and, and Mary Jo, everybody who has participated in making this a, a wonderful um, sixth anniversary with, with music. And that's the way to get started, don't you think? Well, I want to invite anyone who was uh, a founding member, and, and we usually say, if you joined in the first year, I think that was the deal we made everybody, right? You're a charter member, whatever that's worth, uh, in the first year. So stand up if you uh, were here way back then, six years ago. All right, we still have them. We still have a few. I'll give them a hand. It's, uh, it's a blessing to hear the stories and hear people talk about uh, the things that brought us together back then. And it's, it's always um, encouraging to, to think about, you know, we all believe that God was in this, that God wanted to do a work right here. And so we followed that call. And I say we because that's what it took. It took a group of us willing to step out uh, in our faith and, and to do that. And, and we really had no idea what we were doing, no idea what we were getting into. But isn't that the way God works? Uh, that's the best way uh, to live our lives. So six years, it is hard to believe. Six years. What do you think about when you hear uh, that word six or a six-year-old. What do you What do you know about six-year-olds? This is interactive. So what? School. school. Okay. What else? Keep it positive. I don't know if school's positive or negative. Okay. Yes. Grateful. Okay. Playful. Okay. Playful. Loud. Loud. <laughs> Lots of questions. Good. All right. Any of you uh, six years old? Do we have it? Okay. There's the face of a six-year-old right there. Well, six-year-olds are typically in or about the first grade. We know that they grow like weeds, right? You know that you, you probably have to buy different pairs of pants throughout this year because uh, he will keep on growing, and that's what six-year-olds do. They love to eat. Don't they? But they're often too busy to stop and actually eat the right things. I mean, I don't know any six-year-olds who like to eat the right things. Uh, I don't know too many people uh, who do like to eat the right things. But they're also dreamers, right? Six-year-olds are dreamers, and they dream without limitations. And if you, if you don't believe that, just stop and ask a six-year-old, what do you want to be? when you grow up? Or what is it that, what's your favorite TV show or your, your favorite uh, character? And we hear the stories that they, they have. And I was uh, somewhere the other day uh, at a restaurant and I walked outside and there were some kids talking and I was uh, waiting on Jenny. I know it's hard to believe, but I, I was waiting on Jenny to come out and uh, I heard this conversation and they looked like they were, you know, six to eight years old. And I was just cracking up uh, overhearing their conversation because the little boy who was 
talking uh, obviously had quite an imagination, and he was uh, telling things to this other kid. There's just no way any of it could have been real, but the other kid really believed all of it. But they do imagine what it's like to be a superhero or what they can be when they grow up. They have all of the energy in the world, yet need to be reminded just how to focus their attention. And that is the job of every first grade or or kindergarten school teacher, right? Uh, And we have a few who know how to do that, who are uh, wizards. Can we say wizards in church? Huh? Yes, okay. Wizards at being able to get the attention of a six-year-old who is rambunctious and full of energy, as was mentioned back there, and to get them to focus on what they need to focus in on. And that's what needs to happen, right? For them to be uh, future human beings and, uh, and, and part of the world. Uh, you know, they need to learn to take a bath, brush their teeth, all of those good things. Paul does this for Timothy. He helps Timothy focus in on what he needs to focus on. And if you'll look there in your bulletin, there's a very old uh, sketch of Paul and Timothy. Uh, it's not authentic. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't have any uh, paintings of, of that, you know, from that particular time. But that's pretty, a pretty close one. And you can get the idea that Paul is older, Timothy is younger, and this is his son in the ministry. And Paul is wanting to help him focus. He is refocusing his attention on where it should be as a follower of Jesus. And he wants him to to remember certain things. But it's not just about Timothy. It's about Timothy's leadership and the people who are under uh, Timothy's care as Timothy shepherds and guides them. And so Paul is trying to help refocus them as well. Paul is aware that some teachers have come into the church where Timothy is and uh, that they are teaching Uh, some false things or false teachings. And this is a a problem that Paul continues to deal with, not only with Timothy, but in other places like in Corinth or Ephesus. And Paul writes to them to try to clear some of this up. To say, don't listen to them. They are adding all of these things on uh, to be really legalistic about your faith and what you have to do to be accepted by God and and all of this. And it just makes Paul angry. And so he is combating that with Timothy. And last Sunday, I I mentioned the foolishness of the prosperity gospel that we hear about. As you turn on TV, uh, you can look and see different um, churches that are on there. Not all of them teach the prosperity gospel, but quite a few of them do. And some of them, are, they disguise it a little bit better than others. But the idea is that you know, God wants us to be rich and that poverty is a sign that we aren't blessed. Or if you're sick, it's an indication that God just doesn't love you right now or you have not had enough faith expressed in Him, or you haven't given your pastor a thousand dollars. Ushers? No, we don't do that here. But, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the same gospel that was being presented to this group around Timothy. And it just makes Paul so angry. And 
we can see the similarities that are there. I mean, I'm sure if they'd had satellites and TV, heavy eyeliner, hairspray, and white suits, then it pretty much would have been the same. We, we would have looked at it and said, that's just what uh, we have heard about Timothy's church. Paul discredits this false gospel and its message that godliness, and if you'll look there again in your scripture, if you don't have a, a Bible, there's a, a pew Bible right in front of you. Uh, and he says that it's, it's not about godliness that leads to gain or, or that godliness is a means to gain. He makes the point that it is backwards, that godliness is the gain. That it's not so that you can become rich or that you can have power or that you can um, control people or control things or communities. It is so that you can become like God. You can, you can live out your lives as Jesus lived His life and pursue, as He mentions, righteousness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness uh, as He expresses there in verse 11. And such a pursuit was not easy, which is why Paul describes it as an athletic event. Now, back in the Olympics, we looked at some Scripture where uh, Paul refers to different sporting events, and usually it's about running a race. Here, it's about boxing. And so, uh, he mentions this to Timothy to fight the good fight. Timothy, fight the good fight that you have already been a part of, and, and don't slow down. And as the message translates it, uh, the message translation puts it, um, don't slack off. I mean, don't stop what you're doing, Timothy. And, and I'm sure the message and the lifestyle of these false teachers looked quite inviting to Timothy and to his church members. Who doesn't want to be living the good life? Who doesn't want to drive the Bentley of chariots uh, back then, right? Who doesn't want to be wealthy and comfortable? We all like to be comfortable. And who doesn't want to be blessed? Paul, however, he isn't impressed with this kind of thinking. In fact, he shunned these things and he called on them to do the same. Paul often talks about his former life and and he had everything that he ever wanted. All the riches, all the education, all of that. And in his letter to the church at Philippi, he, uh, to put it uh, nicely, he says it's rubbish. That I consider all of that just complete rubbish in light of what God has given to me in Christ Jesus. So these were shiny distractions all around Timothy and the people that he was leading. Devoid of real life. Real life, as Paul describes it here, is what God provides to those who seek it. And it is a real quality of abundant life right here in the now. Karl Barth pointed out that Christ was not looking into the temporal future when He talked about life. But He was describing a reality of the present. The kingdom has arrived now. It's here And Paul had discovered the joy of this real life. And with his words to Timothy, he holds it up as this unmistakable contrast between uh, what these false teachers are presenting and, and what God has presented through Jesus. 
And this is what Jesus was always doing as well with all of the religious elite and the the legalists that were all around him. And he, he continued to disagree with that. As a six-year-old church, we are to take these words of Paul to heart. We've had an amazing six years, haven't we? Amen. And uh, we've gone from an infant to a rambling toddler to a maturing yet easily distracted youngster. And that's what six-year-olds are, right? They, they love life and are enjoying life and tend to be thriving but can also be easily distracted. And and one thing we must do as a church is to keep fighting the good fight. We must remember why we started six years ago. And it's so easy to forget. It is so easy to get in that place where we become disconnected from that. And we read our purpose statement. In fact, our elders, when we get together or other leadership groups in our church, we look back to our vision statement, which says, and if I was really mean I'd, uh, or challenging, I'd have you recite it out loud but, uh, to see who remembers it. But we exist to bless the Highland neighborhood with the love of Jesus through volunteers of America and other community partnerships. From day one, that was our purpose. And we came together to say, this is what we need to do. And, and this purpose is what drives our energy with our missional ministry teams. We've had lots of energy. In fact, we had so many teams going that we said we have way too much going on. We're becoming a mile wide and an inch deep. Let's consolidate it down to about four or five teams and really put our energies into doing the things that we know we can do pretty well. And so that is a part of what we've done. But our purpose also has driven our worship And I'm so grateful for Bill and his leadership with music because he understands what we're trying to do here in this church and and the difficult task that that is in planning worship each and every Sunday. To be able to represent everybody and to be able to bring everybody, not to, to put on a show or to do a performance, but to have it be worshiped by the people, which is the true meaning of liturgy. It is the work of the people. And I'm grateful for Sabra Hicks, who spends most of her week calling you to participate. And she knows that that is important. Certainly, we could get somebody to read Scripture, the same person maybe every week, or, or we could just not read Scripture. Uh, we, could not, uh, we, we could just make it easy and not go through all of that. But but it's important that everybody participate. This is a church where everybody does, and that goes back to our purpose of why we're here. But also our collaboration in Highland Center Ministries. That was the purpose in starting Highland Center Ministries and then becoming a partner with all of these other churches that come together to make that happen. It's what's behind our outreach events. It's what's behind our carnival which is coming up next month. It's why we get out and we get that uh, party wagon and go out into the neighborhood and do all kinds of fun things. I mean, this is a great purpose for us as a church. And as we've learned over the last six years, there's always more of it to do, right? We will never fully accomplish that. Uh, It's something that that God always uh, 
leads to uh, other things. One step here leads to another step. One relationship leads to other relationships. One new member always leads to new kinds of ministry and new things that are going on. And so this is a purpose for such a time as this in our world. It's for the calling that we have right here in Highland. Well, I believe that the things that we have done, the things that we are doing today, and the things that we dream of doing in years ahead are holy activities of God. And we've done some crazy things, haven't we? We have uh, put ourselves out there and risked and done some things that worked, some things that didn't work. Usually the things that don't work are the things that I come up with. (laughs) And the things that do work are the things that you come up with. So I try to stay out of the way and let you do it because you do such a a much better job of it. But they're, they're holy activities of God. And you are to be commended today for entering the fight as this fight of good faith that that, uh, Paul describes here. This is the ring that we've been called to enter. And y'all are great fighters. That doesn't sound positive, does it? But you are. You're great fighters and you are great participants in what God has called us to do. And you have fought for children in need. You have fought for children who couldn't read. Thank God for Evelyn. She does this like every day. She uh, is sent the children who really have difficult times reading. Uh, she's the special weapon as Dewana. Dewana uh, has a family emergency and wasn't able to be here this morning, but Evelyn's the special weapon. You fought for children who couldn't read, for veterans without homes, for elderly who don't have food and, and aren't able to get out and get food. You've taught Sunday school. Carrie, we've heard and we see the results of that. You've played in the band. You've changed diapers. You've driven the van. You've supervised jump houses. Why is it that everyone runs from that responsibility? (laughs) You've made countless pots of coffee. Thank you, Richard. You've served every flavor of snow cone known to man or woman. You've also gone all out for the working poor in Highland. Serving and hosting them for dinner on Thursday nights, preparing their taxes, clothing their bodies, giving them loans, praying their requests, and showing them Jesus. And I could go on and on about the good fight that you've been fighting as a church. But I invite you this morning, look around you today. Go ahead and do that. Just turn your head. You can just stare at people if you want to. Look around. And you'll see athletes. You may not think of yourself as an athlete, but you are. It's just amazing to consider the big things our little church has done. But none of it has been easy. It's required your time, your sacrifice, your resources. It has demanded your passion. And so many of you have have put 100% of your passion into this church. Doing God's work in the world is not always comfortable. It's not self-serving. Sometimes we don't have toilet paper, so I hear. 
Sometimes we don't have uh, paper towels. Sometimes they're flushed down the commode. Uh, Sometimes uh, the pew may not feel too comfortable. Sometimes the air conditioning may not be as cool or the heat may not be as warm as you want. But we realize that this is where God has called us. And it's not a self-serving kind of work. It's not going to make anyone rich. Paul was right when he used athletic language and imagery to describe it. One of the temptations that, that people like you and churches like ours face is to coast, to get comfy with our achievements, and to not try so hard. I know plenty of churches that get to that point. Not all of a sudden, but it's a gradual kind of thing. I know plenty of pastors who get to that point. I even know of that tendency in my own life. The whole bit about prosperity starts sounding really good. I mean, it did for Timothy and his church, and it can to us as well. Take it easy. We have established ourselves. Let's rest a while. We've done so much, and let's let some other churches do it. Let's just sit back. And all the while, we forget what our life is really about. I think I got him on the prosperity thing. (laughs) He's going to make another pot of coffee. Paul was also right in that our efforts and our strain in doing God's kingdom work is real life. I mean, what Jesus means by life certainly includes afterlife. So I want you to hear me say that. I do believe, strongly believe in an afterlife. I believe in heaven and I believe that we will be with God. But Jesus is usually talking about life here, right here, right now. A different kind of life than perhaps we have known about and lived before. And that's what the fight is all about, isn't it? Working with God to bring a bit of heaven into our world. That's what you prayed earlier. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. To bring a bit of heaven into this place. And I I would say we've experienced some beautiful aspects of heaven on earth. Haven't we? I think one of the most significant aspects of life like this is in our congregational diversity. Aren't we all going to be together as different races and and, uh, from all different walks of life and different languages and, I mean, just different everything when we get to heaven? If you are a racist... You're not going to enjoy heaven. I'm not even sure if you're going to get to go. But, but guess who you're going to live next door to? Heaven is a, a beautiful aspect of what God intends for us to have here. So why are we having so many racial problems in our community, in our nation, in our world? Doesn't God want the world to come together just like we've done here this morning and like we've been doing these last six years to see that we are all brothers and sisters, that we are all children of God? So it looks like we're already experiencing here at Church for the Highlands a foretaste of glory divine. 
And what about our involvement with the Highland Center Ministries? I mean, local churches and organizations working together to love our neighbors right here in Highland. If you ever want to see what that looks like, come on a Thursday night and you will see a slice of Highland, but you'll also see a slice of church life right here in this community. As Paul, as uh, Paul, Kyle, Kyle kind of looks like Paul. Uh, as Kyle mentioned, you know, as we come together and celebrate our diversity, uh, we do have, we have, we even have Republicans and Democrats sitting on the same pew. And uh, there's some right here, in fact, who, who cancel each other's vote out every time. There, there are, we have uh, people who come to our church who uh, are from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. We have gay, we have straight, we've had trans, I mean, a little bit of everybody. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated. And it is such a beautiful thing. And we see that as well on Thursday nights as all these churches come together with different ideas about religion and different ideas uh, about uh, what it means to be involved in the community and And yet they come together without any arguments and serve wholeheartedly. It's amazing. People from all walks of life sharing bread and life with one another. Kind of feels like heaven. As Dewana always says, how amazing is that? Sinners finding grace, debtors finding hope, addicts finding help. Marginalized, finding inclusion, and oppressed, finding justice. And that sounds to me like real life. The kind of life that riches and earthly gain just can't buy. Did you see the news clip about the man this past week who was running a triathlon and he stopped to help his brother? You see that? I actually had a picture of it, but... Uh, Someone borrowed our equipment back there. Um, SB Nation reported this, that brothers uh, Johnny and Alastair Brownlee dominated in Rio uh, at the Olympics when they won gold and silver. But this race, the article says, was very different. With less than a mile to go, Johnny began breaking down while in first place. Heat, exhaustion, and cramping muscles left him disoriented and barely able to walk, let alone run. And I encourage you to look at this on YouTube. You can see uh, him just swerving and moving around. Looks like he's about to pass out. He became confused about which direction to run in. And then he stumbled towards the crowd where a race official helped him stay on his feet. Moments later, his brother, Alistair, rounded the corner to see Johnny struggling, and he wouldn't let that happen. Knowing his race would be lost if he didn't keep pace, Alistair ran over to help his brother anyway. The pair was passed by Henry Showman of South Africa. And this, as you look at the video, and and I'm not sure that I blame the guy, but he just runs right past this, (laughs) this guy who's struggling, and he gets first place. And he just keeps going. But the brother stops. The Brownlee brothers were going to finish together. Alistair ran alongside Johnny, half carrying him the whole way. And the field uh, were catching up, but the pair never stopped running. Finally, as they reached the finish line, Alistair performed one final selfless act. 
He pushed his brother across to finish ahead of him. They took home second and third place. The article concludes by saying, this moment will be remembered forever. And it was talked about all week. One brother understood what the race was all about. He ran the race. He fought the good fight. He sacrificed so that his brother could cross the finish line. And to me, that sounds a lot like what Paul reminded Timothy in his letter. And it sounds like what our church has been about these last six years. As we look ahead to the next six, may we keep fighting the good fight of faith. Serving God in ways that will be remembered forever. Let's pray.